Mazingo. I'm your host, Paul Garner. Thank you for listening today. Pastor Todd explains a scripture that most of us have read many times but haven't really understood. Sermons have been preached many times in the past on this verse, but have they really captured the true meaning of it? Why does Jesus say, The foxes have holes and the birds of the air have nests, but the Son of Man has nowhere to lay his head? Is it because Jesus was weary from his journey? Is Jesus really whining about how hard ministry is? Let's listen in. Be sure to listen to the end for some important information. Have you ever read one of those scriptures in the Bible that just never kind of makes sense? Like it kind of makes sense, but then you can't figure out how to apply it or what to do with it. I want to talk about one of those scriptures today and the ways that I've heard it preached and the way that I think in context it's meant. It's in Luke 9, 58. Jesus makes this statement. Jesus talking. Remember, this is Jesus. And this is what he said. Foxes have holes and birds have nests, but the Son of Man has nowhere to lay his head. I don't know about you, but doesn't that sound a bit like a whiny statement? Doesn't it sound a bit like he's saying, oh, woe is me. I have no place to rest. I don't know what to do. And I've heard this thing preached in so many ways. I've heard people talk about the fact that Jesus sacrificed it all and he got weary in his journey. So it's okay if you get weary in your journey or or maybe all of us should be willing to be homeless for the kingdom of God because Jesus just packed it up and went. And so let's sell our houses and go. I've heard people say that there are just times of sorrow that come over you and despair wants to attack you, but you got to press on. Yeah, I don't think that's what this is saying at all. Because the truth is, if you take that kind of approach to it, then you got a Jesus who is whiny. I don't think Jesus is whiny. So I look at this and I think we must be interpreting this wrong. So what I want to do is go back and look at the context in which he said it. Uh, You know, context is king. I used to tell the story this way. What if in our, in our nation, we all agreed that when you turn 18 years old, you have to have the valve in your heart replaced by a pig valve? Because we read in the American Medical Association that if you're 18 years or older, you need to have a pig valve replaced for the valve that you have. Why do we think that? Because we forgot to read the context. And the context is, if you are uh, having some kind of valve heart failure and you are under 18, they can use a mechanical valve. But if you're over 18, you need to have a pig valve used in place of a uh, human valve. And so all of a sudden, the context is different because we don't have to worry about this whole valve thing unless we got a heart problem. And then we don't have to worry about what kind of valve, and it depends on our age. So I want to look at the context that that statement was made in and maybe shed some light on what he was actually saying because I don't think he's whining. I think quite the opposite. In Luke 9, back up in verse 51, it says this. I'm going to go 51 to 62. When the days were approaching for his ascension, he was determined to go to Jerusalem. And he sent messengers ahead of him, and they went ahead to a village of the Samaritans to make arrangements for him. But they did not receive him because he was traveling toward Jerusalem. And when the disciples, James and John, saw this, they said, Lord, do you want us to command fire to come down from heaven and consume them? But he turned and rebuked them, and he said, you don't know what kind of spirit you are of. For the Son of Man didn't come to destroy men's life, but to save them. And he went on to another village. And as they were going along the road, someone said to him, I'll follow you wherever you go. And Jesus said, the foxes have holes 
and the birds have air, uh, the birds of the air have nests, but the son of man has nowhere to lay his head. And he said to another, follow me. But he said, Lord, permit me first to go bury my father. And he said, allow the dead to bury the dead, but it's for you go and proclaim everywhere the kingdom of God. And another also said, I'll follow you, Lord, but first permit me to say goodbye to those at home. But Jesus said, no one, after putting his hand to the plow and looking back, is fit for the kingdom of God. So I want to find out why he made this foxes have holes and birds of the air have nests, but I got nowhere to lay my head in the middle of that conversation. So let's go dig it out. I think the key to understanding what he said is actually in verse 51. When the days were approaching for his ascension, we know that he is going to ascend. We, we read that in scripture. He knows that he's going to ascend, but something has to happen before he ascends. That's called his crucifixion. And he knows that his crucifixion has to happen in Jerusalem. So when the days were approaching for his ascension, he was determined. Everybody say determined. He was determined to go to Jerusalem. That's the key right there. He recognized the times and what his goal should be. He recognized the time and what his goal should be. He recognized that he had to go back and ascend to the throne, that he had to go through a crucifixion first, that that crucifixion would be in Jerusalem, that the goal was his death, burial, resurrection, and ascension, and he knew he was going, and it was time to get there, so he was determined to get there. So everything from this point forward in the conversation is actually in reference to he was determined to get to Jerusalem. Listen, anything that gets in the way of the goal is a distraction. What is a distraction? Anything that disrespects the track you're on. It is to dis your current path. It tries to dislocate you from the track you're on. So let's look at his distractions and see how that plays into his statement. He sent messengers ahead of them and they went and entered a village of Samaritans to make arrangements for him, but they did not receive him because he was traveling toward Jerusalem. So why didn't they receive him in that city? He needs to get to Jerusalem and he's got to go through this Samaritan village to get there. But the Samaritan village won't receive him because he's trying to go to Jerusalem. Why? Because Samaritans did not want the Jewish Jesus worshiping in Jerusalem. Why? Because the Samaritans believe that the actual place of worship is Mount Gerizim and not Mount Zion, not Mount Moriah in Jerusalem. Why did they believe that? Because when the uh, 12 tribes crossed over into the land, God said, I want you to go to Mount Gerizim and I want you to station half of your people on Mount Gerizim and I want you to mount the rest of them on Mount Ebal. And Mount Ebal and Mount Gerizim are next to each other with a valley in between. And God said, you will pronounce blessings from Mount Gerizim over this land, but from Mount Ebal, you will pronounce curses over this land. So that's what the people did. So there was a group of people 
who said, then Gerizim must be the place that we worship because that's where God identified blessing should be pronounced from. So let's go there. And they're saying to this Jesus, hey, you don't fall in line with what we believe. You want to go to Jerusalem and Jerusalem isn't the place to worship. You should be going to Gerizim. So they don't even want him to go there. Do you remember when Jesus was talking to the woman at the well? And the woman at the well says, you say we're supposed to worship in Jerusalem, but we believe you're supposed to worship elsewhere. And Jesus said, you know what? There's a day coming when you'll want worship on any mountain that the true worshipers will worship in spirit and truth. That's what he was talking about. The Samaritan's belief that you were supposed to worship in Gerizim and he's on his way to Jerusalem. So they're just saying, no, we don't want you to come through here because you're not a man of God because you don't worship in the right way. Because sometimes worship becomes the distraction, the way to disrespect the track you're on. And people want to use worship to tell you that, hey, you're worshiping wrong. People around you, you want to say, are not worshiping God. People want to tell you the right way to do worship. Listen to me. Some people around you are worshiping worship. And some people want to distract you from the worship of God. But anyone in the spirit can recognize who's working in a spirit of distraction. Ooh, I'm stepping on toes here. It's not a secret that you're trying to disrupt worship, even if it's a secret to you. Wow, it gets really quiet. So let's move on. Verse 54. I'll get back to that, I promise you. Verse 54. When his disciples, James and John, saw this, they said, Lord, do you want us to command fire to come from heaven and consume them? But he turned to them and he rebuked them. Now watch this. And he said, you don't know. You don't know what kind of spirit you are of. He's talking to James and John. For the Son of Man didn't come to destroy men's life, but to save them. I don't know if you just saw that, but what he just said was, you don't even know you're working in the wrong spirit. They think they're standing up for Jesus, and he's telling them, what you don't get right now is you're not with me. You're not in the same spirit as I am. You're working in the wrong spirit. You know, you're good men, you're good people, but you don't even know what kind of spirit you're currently in because the disciples are really wanting to stop and conduct some self-righteous business. They want to work out of their self-righteousness that you don't tell my Jesus what he can do and what he can't do. It sounds good. But we just met someone who is doing something wrong for God, even though we're a good person. Have you ever met somebody in church that says, we should just kick that person out of our church? I don't like what they do. <laughs> sometimes people, sometimes with people with you get distracted and they lose sight of the goal. And sometimes their zeal gets them used by the enemy to actually sting them. And Jesus says to his own people, there's an evil spirit working amongst you. And yes, sometimes good people get affected by an evil spirit because evil spirits love to distract you from your mission. They love to distract you from your goal. How do you know then if your heart's right? 
How do you know if your heart's right? How would they have known that, hey, we're doing something wrong and we don't even know we're something wrong? How would we in the future know that we're doing something wrong? Here's how you can tell if you're working in the right spirit or not. The question has to be asked, is it more important to you to condemn the person in the wrong or restore the person in the wrong? Is it more important to condemn the person and say, hey, what you're doing is wrong. We want to bring down fire on you because what he wants is not there. Uh, he's not saying to his own people, hey, you're, you know, that I want to destroy the people of the Samaritan village because they don't want me to come through. He's saying, I want to save them. I don't want to destroy them. I want to save them. It was the same problem that Jonah had. Do you remember in the story where Jonah is told to go to Nineveh and he says no, but later on he explains why he said no? He said no because he knew they would repent and he didn't want them to repent. He wanted God to destroy them because his goal was more their condemnation than their restoration before God. So if condemnation is your goal, get ready to spend some time in time out. Because Jesus is more interested in the restoration than the condemnation. And there are also people around you who are working in the wrong spirit. I'm not saying they're bad people. I'm saying they're working in the wrong spirit. They're not working in the same spirit that you are. They have different motivations. They have different motives. They have different goals. They're in a different time in their life. And they're a distraction to what's going on. They're a distraction to the goal. So the question is, are you going to let the spirit of distraction distract you? Or can you seek unity, seek fruit, seek encouragement, seek the spirit that's moving in Jesus? They were trying to change the direction of their leader. His direction was, I want them restored. We'll go to another city. They said, no, let's stop and do something about that. One of the ways you can find out if you're in the wrong spirit is, are you following the leader? I'm not talking about me. I'm talking about any time we have a leader. Are you following the leader in worship? Are you following the leader in the group you're in? Are you following the leader in the church? Okay, if you're not, then there's an out-of-spirit sinking that needs to be changed. Let's keep reading. 57. As they were going along the road, someone said to him, I will follow you wherever you go. And Jesus said to him, foxes have holes and the birds of the air have nests, but the son of man has nowhere to lay their head. Is that not the perfect response to I will follow you? <laughs> if somebody said to me, I'll follow you, Todd, anywhere you go, I'd say, great, foxes have holes and birds of the air have nests, but I don't have anywhere to lay. It's like he's in a different conversation. <laughs> What are you talking about foxes and birds and nests and holes and homes when the man just said he'd follow you? The clue is in the next statement that Jesus says. Watch this. The very next thing he says is that he looked to another man and said, follow me. It was like a test. This guy says he'll follow me. Let me make this statement. Now you follow me. Let's see how it works. Follow me. But the man said, Lord, permit me first to go and bury my father. And he said, Hey, let the dead bury the dead. As for you, proclaim everywhere the kingdom of God. And then he looked at another one that said, I'll follow you. And that one said, hey, let me go back and say goodbye to my family. So now we have these people who say they want to follow, but instantly there's something else they got to do first. What is Jesus doing? He is determined to get to Jerusalem. 
He is on a path, and everybody that says they'll follow, say, I'll follow after I go take care of something else. After I, watch this, after I go back to my home. After I go back to bury my father. After I go back to say goodbye to my family. What is Jesus saying to them? He's saying, I'm not stopping to go back home. I ain't stopping to take a nap. I'm determined to get to Jerusalem. And if you say you follow me, then you got to be determined to get to Jerusalem. But you're not because you all want to go back to where the foxes go, to their homes, to where birds go, to their homes. I ain't got no home right now. I'm on my way to Jerusalem. Are you seeing that? So that's what he's saying. He's saying, you cannot distract me from my destination, my goal. I am determined to get to Jerusalem. But Jesus said to them, this is where he kind of puts the icing on the cake. Look, no one, after putting his hand to the plow and looking back, is fit for the kingdom. I want you to see something in what he's saying. He's saying once a decision is made to go to your calling, if you are plowing, then plow. If you are plowing, you don't need to worry about those who won't help you plow. If you are plowing, you don't need to worry about the self-righteous people around you. If you are worrying, you dug plowing, you don't need to spend time with the critics. If you are plowing, you don't need to plow what's behind you. If you are plowing, the ground you need to cover is actually in front of you. If you are plowing, you'll never reach your goal if you let these other things stop you. If you're plowing, then plow. Don't get distracted. If you're plowing, you are fit for the kingdom. It's going to hit somebody in a minute. Jesus was not in Jerusalem. In Jerusalem was where he was called to be. His calling in his life was in Jerusalem, but he was not in Jerusalem. He was on mission to get to Jerusalem, and he said, I will not be distracted to getting to the place of my calling. I must be in position to get to Jerusalem, and I will not let you or that city or or your desire to go back home get in my way. I have a calling and a destiny, and I have to be in position to get to that calling. See, I think many Christians are worried today about doing their calling, and they never got in position to get determined to get to their calling. What do I mean by that? I mean, the real question is, are you determined to get to the place of your calling? Because he was not to the place yet, but his determination came in the journey to get there. What his desire was to get to the place where he could be crucified and ascend, not have it happen right here and now. His determination was the journey, not the destination. So I got to ask, what are you determined about right now in your life? What is your current determination? Because for many of us, our current determination is to do what we think God has called us to do, but we have no desire to be determined to walk the path and the journey that it takes to get to the calling. What is involved in the path and the journey to get to your calling? Maybe we need to be determined to abide in Christ. 
Maybe we need to be determined to have a relationship with Holy Spirit. Maybe we need to be determined to become a humble servant. Maybe we need to be determined to submit to godly leadership. Maybe we need to be determined to move in the spirit realm and get out of the flesh realm. Maybe we need to be determined to understand that the word works with the spirit of God. Maybe we need to be determined to just obey his commandments. I ain't going there today. Ain't got time. Maybe we need to be determined to submit to doing things God's way instead of the way we think is best. Maybe we need to be determined to have your will crushed so that his will could prevail. Maybe we need to be determined to go through the press so that the oil can flow. Maybe we need to be determined to remain faithful in the storm. Maybe we need to be determined to use your gift in the kingdom of God and for the kingdom of God instead of for your own personal glory. Maybe we need to be determined to learn to serve before we learn to lead. Maybe we need to be determined to lose your dignity before God. Maybe we need to be determined to have the courage to go past your fear. Those are all paths to the calling. That's the determination that Jesus had. I must get from here to there because when I get there, I have a calling. And there's so much stuff in my life right now that is distracting me, that is keeping me from staying focused on Christ, that is keeping me from hearing the Holy Spirit, that is keeping me from being in the will of God. Why? Because I'm letting all of this stuff get in the way instead of being determined to get to this place that I know I'm called to go to. So his statement is not whining. He's not telling you there's going to be days when you just feel bad. You want to go home and take a nap. He's not saying that at all. What he was telling the people is, look, go home if you need to go home. But I got a journey to go on. I'm determined to get there. And if you want to go backwards, go backwards. But listen, if you put your hand to the plow, plow plow. That's the goal. You can't stop and go back and plow a little bit and plow a little bit more. You got to keep that line going. You got to continue to plow. So I'm looking at Revive Church and saying, we have to be determined that Revive will understand how to put the word of God and the spirit of God back together so we can see the power of God in our life. We are determined that we will set up an environment here where we can encounter God, where we can get healed in a service without anybody touching us or laying hands on us because we had an encounter with God. We have to be determined that there's going to be a move of God in Stewart, Florida, and we're going to be here to help it along. We have to be determined that there will be revival on the Treasure Coast. We will not allow distractions to get in the way, and we may have to rebuke some good people who are just operating in the wrong spirit right now. Oh, can I go there? If we can't reprove and rebuke each other in love, then how do we ever move forward? How do we ever know when there's a disunity if we can't call it out? Why couldn't we say, James, John, think about this. You want to call fire down and kill everybody, and Jesus loves those people. Why would you want to kill everybody? Why would you want to criticize how they pray? 
Why would you want to criticize how they worship? Why would you want to decide that they're not faithful because they come 10 minutes late? Why would you want to decide that? Why wouldn't you want to pour into them? Why wouldn't you want to get close to them? Why wouldn't you want to say, hey, you know, in that moment when everything gets quiet and worship and it feels like the spirit is moving, stop clapping. It's not in the spirit. But maybe we could do it in a way that it enhanced our relationship with God and enhanced our unity. And we all began to walk together. Listen, I love you. I love you. But what is before us is bigger than you. And it's bigger than me. And it's going to take a we to get there. And if we don't learn to love each other and walk together and be determined that the goal is for God to come to this place and shake this town, shake this church, shake his people, get them ready for the coming of the Lord, then we've got a little bit of a disunity going on that we need to just talk about. And I need to express to you in love, you're going to be amazed when he touches you. You got to get in that determination to want him to touch you. You got to get into that place where you're hungry and you're thirsting after his righteousness so we can come into alignment. I will not go back to the Todd Mazingo I used to be. It is too important what we're doing. It is too important what God wants to do with us for us to get distracted. For us to get off the track that he's got us on. We got to put our hand to the plow and keep plowing. Keep understanding how the spirit works with the word and how the word works with the spirit. Keep understanding that I have to be in a place on my own in this group. I've been talking about this for about six weeks now. Get alone in the group. What does that mean? It means I'm not here to experience the room. I'm here to have an encounter with God on my, on my own. I'm worshiping him on my own so that I can draw his attention so that he could come and encounter with me so that he could touch me, so that he could change me, so he could break this stuff off me, so that he could open me up to move. And we're doing it corporately. And the aroma, the incense that's coming out of this place and going before the throne room of God, I promise you, is drawing his attention here. How do I know that? I'll tell you the fruit because I measure by the fruit. Last Wednesday night in this very room, eight people came to know the Lord for the first time. You're seeing people worship who have never really understood worship. I got a text from someone that said, I've just never been in a place where it was okay to raise your hands and worship. It felt wonderful. I was like, really? You've never had the opportunity to lift your hands in praise because the system around you told you that wasn't worship? But Scripture does, and the Spirit will tell you it is. This is the question I'm asking you. I'm going to read this list again. Because I think for some of us, being determined is a question of what am I currently supposed to be determined about? I'm going to read this list to you again, and I want you to ask the Spirit, is that what I'm supposed to be determined about right now? Am I supposed to be determined to learn how to abide in Christ and Him and me? Am I supposed to be determined as to how to have a relationship with Holy Spirit? Am I supposed to be determined to figure out how to be a humble servant in the church? Am I supposed to be determined on how to submit to godly leadership? 
Am I supposed to be determined as to how to move in the spirit realm and stop moving in the flesh realm? Maybe determined on how to understand how the word and the spirit work together. Am I supposed to be determined to actually obey what he's telling me to do? To submit to his ways? To have my will crushed and his will prevail? Am I supposed to be determined to just go through this press that he's got me in so that he can squeeze that oil out of me? Uh, Maybe I'm supposed to persevere through these stormy waters. And maybe I'm supposed to remain faithful through the storm that I'm in. And maybe I'm supposed to use my gift for the kingdom of God instead of my personal advancement in the church. And maybe I'm supposed to learn to serve so that I can learn to lead. And maybe I'm just supposed to lose my dignity sometimes and stop holding back thinking I'm good. And maybe I'm supposed to have some courage here to go past the fear that I feel. Well, what did you think? Has God been speaking to you about any of these things? We would love to hear from you. You can email us at info at reviveusnow.com. Now for some very exciting news. Pastor Todd's latest book has just been released. It's called Missing Pieces. Have you ever asked yourself, if the Holy Spirit lives in me, why do I still do the things I don't want to do? Pastor Todd addresses this and many more important questions that most of us have pondered for years. Pastor Todd fills in the missing pieces that we have wondered about, and when those pieces are understood and put in place, the bigger picture becomes more clear. This new book is available now on Amazon. This podcast is brought to you by Revive Church of Stewart, Florida. You can learn more about us at our website, reviveusnow.com. If you would like to support this ministry, go to our website, reviveusnow.com slash give. If you live in our area or are planning a visit to our area, we would love to have you join us. We are located at 8851 Southwest Old Kansas Avenue in Stewart, Florida. If you enjoyed this podcast, why not click to subscribe right here on the podcast site of your choice. That way you won't miss any of Pastor Todd's and Revive Church's future podcasts. Thank you for joining us.